Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe pasillo is always joined by joe Rasinello. and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go into the breach and the veritas catholic network joe Rasinello, we're going in the breach today brother all right i mean we always do but some days a little deeper than others um and the audience out there at veritas is going to understand very quickly why i say that because today we are very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program a friend of the show janet marana um the the podcast with janet is available if you go to uh, veritas catholic network you can see all of my shows with joe uh that we've done we had a great conversation with janet um and uh on the abortion issue today we're going to be discussing the catholic vote joe talk about going into the breach we got to try not to get in trouble that's all right we're not going to get in any trouble maybe but anyway some of you know janet especially those uh, in the Northeast, because Janet serves as the executive director of Priests for Life and the co-founder of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, the world's largest mobilization of women and men who have lost children to abortion. She holds a degree in foreign languages and a master's degree in education from St. John's. Since 1989, Mrs. Marana has held various local and national leadership roles in the pro-life movement. She served on the board of the Staten Island Right to Life Committee, she ran for the New York City Council on the Right to Life line and received the largest percentage of votes of any Right to Life candidate in the party's history. She's traveled extensively throughout the country and the world, giving pro-life training seminars for clergy and laity, including a pont uh, the pontifical universities in Rome and representing priests for life at national and international pro-life conferences. She has helped coordinate relationship between pro-life organizations and the Vatican, as well as the White House. Janet Marana, welcome back to the front thank line you. with Joe and Joe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, we are in scary times. And just, just to quote some people, you know, abortion is going to be on the ballot <laughs> that, yes and See, you know, that's an, i want to get into that so much janet because it <laughs> makes it seem it, 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 they make it seem like like there's this you know this this overwhelming support for abortion in america actually no there's not there's not and i want you that's to right. dissect that because you're on again to use a, a phrase you're on the front lines of uh of this fight and 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 that's what we have to emphasize to people no 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 when you're pro-life when you want, and we're going to talk about the 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 uh, the right to life amendment that you mentioned before we came on on the show. Okay, there's a lot of people that support that. The extremists are the ones who want abortion up to uh, again. Let's not do the show right now. <laughs> Let me hand it over to Joe, and we'll get this. We'll we'll get the ball rolling. Okay. Let's start off with a prayer to Our Lady in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. 
O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the, this is going to be a lively one. There's no question. I, I think I'd, I'd just like to set the stage for it because I think there's a lot of confusion when uh, people like ourselves kind of weigh into some of these culture war discussions. Um, the church is apolitical. It's neither for the GOP or the DNC. However, the church does have a moral right to weigh in on issues. Let me repeat that again. The church and Catholics have a moral right to weigh in on issues. And as Catholics, we have to weigh issues. That's how we're supposed to vote. We're not supposed to be married to a political identity. I'm an X or I'm a Y. Wrong. You look at issues and you make a determination and you weigh the severity of those issues. Break that down for us, Janet, because I think there's a lot of confusion. I want to break down all these myths in this conversation. Well, first of all, let's just talk about the basic fact that as a Catholic, and it's in the catechism, you have a moral duty to vote. That's numero uno. So all those people who are sitting out there right now saying, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to vote. I don't know if my vote really counts about this and that. No, 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 no. The catechism says you have a moral duty to vote. It's also in St. John Paul II's Evangelium Vitae document, Gospel of Life Encyclical, about your duty to vote. So let's just start. As a Catholic, we are under an obligation to get out and vote. So I'm hoping and praying you're all registered to vote, properly registered. And if not, go to checkyourvoterregistration.com and make sure. Uh, in some states, you can still register to vote a lot. It's or, The deadlines are passed. But nevertheless, you have a duty to vote. So start there. But what I always say, guys, is if the parties were to switch their positions tomorrow, our position remains the same absolutely the same perfect way to put it because right now there's such a stark difference between the two parties and you can see this by looking at the party platform so let's just take them at their words every four years when there's a presidential election the parties have a convention which you probably all tuned into two years ago and they voted on their party platform if you look at their party platform it is crystal clear the Democratic Party on their party platform says they are in favor of abortion, about keeping abortion legal, about um, enshrining Roe, keeping Roe. Of course, they've lost that battle, but we'll get into that later. But they're 100%, 100% in their party platform now for abortion. If you look at the Republican Party platform, in their party platform, they say the ultimate goal is to pass a human life amendment to the constitution now what people have to understand is if we like you know you could just like this is like a dream if we could get a human life amendment to our constitution then that's the whole that's the whole enchilada because then you don't have to pass all these little laws state by state by state and do all this in you know just step by step incremental fighting to, to get to the goal the goal is a human life amendment, because that says the unborn child is a person like any one of us and deserves protection under our law. That's the ultimate goal. Now, if that's in the party platform and the other platform says we're 100% for abortion, 
Well, does it make does it, it really Jana Morana joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe? This is this is what's amazing. Just piggybacking off of what both of you said about adherence to political parties, whether there's an R or a D at the end of your name. Think about how off the rails we are that we have to actually argue whether or not human life deserves protection. Right. This is what this is the problem in America is that everybody's worried about the R and the D and party affiliation and political identity. We can't get human life straight in this country. And what do you want to worry about taxes? You, right. you want to worry about the war in Ukraine? You want to worry about the border? You can't get human life straight. That it actually has to be an argument that all human beings start every single human being started out the same way. At the, their life began at the moment that they were conceived. That's it. That's an undeniable scientific fact. You started at the moment of your conception. And right. you can't agree that others who whose lives have begun because they've been conceived deserve pol uh, legal protection from being murdered? This is how far off the rails and that people want to argue about, uh, about, yes, important issues. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the politics, the taxes, the immigration, and all of it, okay? Uh, economic policy, that's all important. We can't get life straight in this country. We can't get life straight in the world. Georgie Maloney just got elected the uh, prime minister of Italy. She's under attack from the prime minister of France, from this one. Now, we want to make sure we protect basic human rights. What are they talking about? Abortion. Right. I mean, and that's my little rant, Janet. But this is where we've gone. And people want to talk about politics. And we can't even get that straight. I mean, I, I love yeah. your comments on that. Well, actually, I think even before that, I think because I listen, I have a big mouth and I get into a lot of discussions with people. And I think what we have to do is because many people could listen to this conversation and just say, well, I don't see it that way. And many Catholics will say that. And I think what we have to do is lay the groundwork that basically says that there are certain non-negotiable issues and why they are non-negotiable. Because, Joe, I'll be honest with you. Someone could listen to you. They just tune you right out. I don't agree with you. You have to say why. And you have to point to where it is in the catechism. Then it's up to you as a Catholic. And the church is very clear on how it defines morality and actions. It's very clear. It's actually in the Catechism 1750 to 1761. It says this. It says the morality of an action depends upon three things. The nature of the action we're choosing to do. The end we are pursuing, pursuing by it and the circumstances in which we do it in. All three must be good in order for the action to be good. Therefore, some actions are intrinsically evil, which means they're wrong under every circumstance, no matter what. No matter what, you can't say that this is good or that is bad in an intrinsic evil. Talk to that, Janet, because I'll be honest with you, that's where we win minds and hearts. We basically lay that out. We say, no, the church is very clear on what it says is intrinsically evil. And abortion is one of five issues that are intrinsically evil. Right. Well, yeah, because, you know, so many people compare like, oh, well, you know, abortion. Well, but, you know, what about this issue? It has to do with abortion is the direct taking of a human life. That's it. Period. And that's what makes it one of the non-negotiables because you're killing a human being. Now, the other factor is, and of course, I know this very well, and this has nothing to do with the, the non-negotiable in the faith, but people aren't really listening to what does abortion do. It's always bad for the baby. 
but I can show how it's always bad for the mother too, and the father, but it's specifically the mother because of the physical and psychological damage done to her in an abortion. And we could get into how horrific it is for her besides the fact, and then what's happening to her after she realizes what she's done. And so often, because we don't hear about this preach from the pulpit, these women are out there hurting. And they sometimes they'll dare to come to church and they'll sit in church, but they won't dare come to communion because they are afraid to go to confession. And why? No one is addressing the fact that there's no such thing as the unforgivable sin. If you've committed the act of abortion, if you are, repent, you will be forgiven. The mercy of Jesus is here for you. And there's abortion recoveries programs like Rachel's Opinion where you can find deeper healing. So part of the reason, just so you understand, when you get this reaction from people about abortion being a political issue and, and everyone gets their backs up, and yeah, we know it's a baby, but it's because everyone knows someone who's had an abortion. We've had almost 50 years of legalized abortion and it still continues, you know, because we overturned Roe, it's not over with. They're still killing babies, 3,000 a day in our country. The problem is, guys, everybody knows someone who's had an abortion. And so, therefore, when we talk about voting and voting pro-life, people say, well, what about my sister? What about my cousin? What about this one? They all know someone who's had an abortion. And the less we address the fact that, yes, what they did was wrong, but we're not against them. We're for them. We're on their side. We understand the circumstances. Because you know what it is, guys? If you look at the stories of the women who've had abortions, 90% of them are not marching into that abortion clinic proud as punch. Oh, yeah, let me have my abortion day. Oh, let me get my abortion. Oh, this is great. No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. They're going in there feeling trapped, abandoned, confused, and desperate. Okay? Because they're being told they have to have that abortion. See, abortion... Legalizing abortion in this country gave men an out card. <laughs> walk away from fatherhood. I'm done. I'm out of here. Oh, it's up to you. Do what you want. Here's the money. Go have an abortion. I can introduce you to women who are told by their husbands, either you have this abortion or I don't want any more kids or I'm out of here. Oh, that's real freedom of choice. And, it's, and let me tell you, I just had a very dear friend tell me that that happened to their daughter who's married recently, okay? Her husband made her go have an abortion because he didn't want any more kids. And now their marriage is crumbling and falling apart. So I'm telling you, that's the problem. And that's why when we talk about this and we talk about voting, some Catholics do this with their ears. I don't want to hear about it because they're hurting. And until we reach out for them for the healing, and we can get them back into, you know, the full mercy of Jesus, then they can hear that life begins at a conception and that they should, they can acknowledge, yes, I should, we shouldn't have done that. Or my sister shouldn't have done that, but now she's been forgiven. We're whole again. And yes, now we can be pro-life because you guess what? The women and men who go through an abortion recovery program, they come in downtrodden, they leave rejoicing and guess what? They're pro-life. It's not like they, yeah. they they go out and say, oh, I'm still pro-choice. Absolutely not. It's only one direction they move in. They move in from regretting this decision, 
getting healed and they're 100% pro-life and so many of them are involved in the pregnancy resource centers and other facets of the pro-life movement. So you see, to kind of get to the heart of the problem, we've got to get to the healing of our nation. And that's that's why on June the 24th, when Roe was overturned, you saw that that terrible reaction, right? That's that's hurt, people hurting from abortion. That's that reaction. Oh, yeah. James Revenge and all 100%. those groups. Yeah, Janet Moran is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rossinello. Um, we're, we're in the breach. We're going to go further in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial. But there are a number, Janet, of intrinsic evils. All right, so let's right. move past abortion a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. Because now here's one thing Joe and I bring up on the show all the time. You want to talk about, well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm liberal, I'm conservative, um, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat. I, you know, from from what I see, okay, I tend to be I tend to be more conservative, I guess, in my worldview. Okay, um, now all of a sudden, uh, according to conservatives, I have to accept gay marriage. Uh, you know, as I have to ex I have to accept this. In other words, to be a to be a quote unquote conservative, okay. And there's others, but uh, you know, gay marriage is one of them. Euthanasia, cloning, embryonic stem cell research. But let's stay on that for a second, okay? What do you do there? In other words, let's say for argument's sake, to the so-called you know the, with the people with the C after their name, like they're in the conservative movement, okay. I'm being told by Sean Hannity and the rest of them out there, okay, that uh, no, I got to put that stuff down. I can't bring it, it, the liberals. They tell you you can't bring your your Catholic worldview on abortion into the into the discussion. Now the conservatives are saying you can't bring your Catholic worldview on regards to marriage into the discussion. Am I wrong, Janet? No, you're not. <laughs> of course not. I mean, listen, the the Catholic Church is very clear that marriage is a sacrament between a man and a woman. End of story. That's it. It's in the Bible, even. I mean, you know, it's just very crystal clear. When Jesus walked this earth at the wedding of Cana, he performed his first miracle, and it was a marriage of a man and a woman. So it's very, very clear. And the Catholic Church also does have a very pastoral response to people in the gay community. They're not condemning them. In fact, Father Harvey from New York founded a group called Courage, which addressed the compassion, <clears throat> excuse me, for people who are homosexual and show them that there's a, a, a right path to follow and be a faithful Catholic and it's to be celibate, right? I mean, that's, that's the answer. But it's the same reason why people who are heterosexuals shouldn't be out sleeping together either. You know, Absolutely. I mean, like, I, I, it's a whole... <laughs> you're 100% right. I think it's a way of articulating it. I mean, there is even chastity in marriage. Right. There's, you're like people don't understand Catholic teaching. They don't know it. And frankly, they right. can't articulate it. And it's right. important to understand each of those five things. We don't have time on the show. We can break down why they're labeled as intrinsically evil because they hurt society. Right. They hurt society. And again, what's an intrinsic evil? It's contrary to reason. It's contrary to nature. And it's contrary to God. All three have to be in there to make it intrinsic evil, which means it's wrong always. It's always wrong. And I think that's how we have to just present it to people because people don't see it that way. They'll say, well, that issue is just the same as that one. This one issues. No, it's not. Right. No, it is not. And 
Janet, but let's break down this comparison because this is always thrown out there. Why is capital punishment not the same as abortion? While as Catholics, we really, to be honest with you, I don't believe in capital punishment. And the, the catechism right now basically leaves just the slimmest, to be honest with you, uh, it's a little ambiguous now. There's been a lot of discussion. We're not going to get into that right now. But basically, the catechism left, left before uh, Francis the slimmest room for capital punishment. As a Catholic, I'm not for capital punishment. Absolutely not. In America, we have prisons. Why is that a bad comparison? Because it's not a good one. Well, first of all, it's not a correct comparison because we're talking about an innocent life, an unborn child that did nothing absolutely wrong, and a person who committed some heinous crime or, or thing. But capital punishment is not necessary in our country any longer. 100% agree. Catholics, over, listen to that statement. You should over, say it again. Over 100 years ago or more, and 200 years ago and whatever, we had capital punishment because there, was, there wasn't a clear way of keeping a Jeffrey Dahmer or some of these other horrible criminals who killed gazillions of people to stop them from doing it again. So that's how our country started to develop capital punishment. But at a certain point, now that we have prisons that can keep someone who is deranged and demented locked up for the rest of their life. And in fact, here in Florida, we just had this happen just last week. The Parkland shooting gentleman who killed 17 people in a rampage in a school here in Florida, uh, let's see, in 2018, he was just convicted and they just had the hearing of the jury on whether he would get the death penalty or not. And guess what? They had to have all the jurors had to unanimously agree for the death penalty and one juror held out. And so therefore, he will now face, he's only 24 years old, he will face life, oh no, is he 20 years old, life imprisonment without parole, without ever having parole. So based on that scenario, he does not have to be killed via capital punishment because he can be kept locked up where he can't hurt anyone ever again. And so that's why capital punishment uh, is not necessary. I'm not in favor of it. And also, too, you can't compare it with abortion because that unborn child didn't do anything wrong. It's innocent. It's innocent life as opposed to someone who destroyed life. So, I mean, that's the basic uh, thing in a, in a nutshell, really, uh, about capital. Well, that and, and well, that's a, but that's a thing. Like like Joe says on the show all the time at the front line with Joe and Joe, Janet Marana joining us here is that people need to know these things. Hey, that's why Joe and I are here because you know we've learned this at some point, and we want right. to bring on people like yourself so we can explain this to people. I I look at it the same way. I am not. I'm not fist in the air. I mean, I know a lot of conservatives in America are, you know, like I remember, um, I think it was Rick Perry uh, during the debate with Obama or like during the Republican primary. He bragged about they killed 230 death row inmates in Texas and people started cheering. I want to say, dude, even if even if any of those criminals deserved, let's say, capital punishment. OK, it's not something to cheer for no. heaven's sake. OK, no. it's tragedy. 
you yeah. have you have somebody who's committed a heinous crime, okay, um, and uh, and and they've paid the price if if society deemed that. But to cheer it, that's not really a good idea. But yeah. I'm glad you clarified the difference between an intrinsic evil, which abortion is, and right. capital punishment is not an intrinsic evil because capital punishment is not always as it is with abortion, is not always unwarranted. Whether necessary or not, I, I In this country, it is completely on, on unwarranted. That. In America, I will say it again, and I'm going to be clear as a Catholic, it is completely unwarranted. But it's not an intrinsic evil. Correct. It's, it's but it, not you an cannot, intrinsic if evil. If you call yourself pro-life, you cannot be pro-capital punishment in the United States of America because we have prisons. And here's another thing. I don't care what the conservatives say. I don't look at things left and right. I look at them if they're right and wrong. And that's how a Catholic should look at it. I don't care if you're liberal. I don't care. Call yourself whatever you want. Well, I also I also look at these criminals who have done these horrible crimes. I look back and I say, that person was born into this world a totally innocent baby. What happened in that person's life? to get them to this point that they are so sick, demented, and crazy to do those horrible things. And if you look back in those these people's lives, stuff happened. They didn't have maybe such a good life. And I always say there, but with the grace of God go I. And there's such a thing as forgiveness, no matter how horrible their crimes are. Yes, you keep them behind bars so they can't hurt any more people. But the, during that time, there's a soul there that could be worked on for redemption. Because isn't that what the Lord wants? He wants every one of us saved. Absolutely. He wants every one of us to say we're sorry and come to him. And yes, that gentleman at a young age that killed 17 people in the Parkland shootings here in Florida will spend the rest of his life in jail now. But he's got an opportunity to save his soul. And that's, to me, why you don't kill them. And when I was listening to this, when I was driving in the car, when they were waiting to um, give the verdict of whether he would get capital punishment or not, I was cringing and praying and saying, oh, I hope they don't kill him. I hope they don't kill him because that's not going to solve anything. And then what about his family that have to watch their, their kid killed by capital punishment? How terrible. I mean, capital punishment, they make it sound like it's no big deal. You got to read some of the books and you got to see what happens. It's not it, it's not a pleasant thing. And they suffer. They do suffer when they're killed by capital punishment. So I don't think it's solving anything. And, and as a Catholic, I think the position needs to be to be pro-life is to be pro-human beings. To be pro-elderly. Pro-elderly. To be pro-life. You yes. see, you know, this is why we have to get away from political labels, because labels like to stick with issues that benefit them for their people and constituents. Christ did not do that, and neither should we. And we right. should have the courage to buck those systems, the courage to do it. Right. It's not about I don't care. I'm for right and wrong period, end of story. And both parties have things that are wrong. And I could pick them both apart. But some are more wrong than others, like taking life. And that's what we're focusing on right now. Mm -hmm. To your that's point, right. a child is innocent, completely innocent. And as a Catholic, you cannot support that. 
Like that's that's a non-negotiable. And this is how I've always broken this down, Janet, to people. If you were to tell me, I don't care what party you're in, whatever, I could solve all the problems of America, but I have to eliminate all people over 75 because they can't work. I have to eliminate them, take their life, but I could solve all our problems. Otherwise, you're off the table. It's a non-negotiable. You're out. You're out. People, Catholics have to think like that. Well, I want to I want to piggyback off that real quick. Janet Moran is joining us to the front line with Joe and Joe. We're going to just take a quick break here. It is Radio Janet, so we do have to take a quick break. Um, you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosinello, and we're discussing the Catholic vote. Um, and if that doesn't get to get you into the breach, I don't know what does. So uh, we're 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. We always remind our audience, please download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our stations content um and if you like what joe and i do you can follow us on social media at the frontline tv on youtube the frontline tv on youtube and many other places so wherever you see our ugly mugs try to help us out like subscribe share do all that fun stuff so janet moran is with us we're having a great conversation an important conversation so stick around we have another great segment friends this is steve lee with veritas catholic network I want to ask you to call us at 833-888-7884 and partner with us in the very important work we're doing for Connecticut and the New York metro area. Each year, we run two weeks of pledge drives in order to bring you 50 weeks of the outstanding, faithful, Catholic programming you've come to trust and depend on. This week is pledge drive week, so please call in. The number is 833-88-TRUTH or... 833-888-7884. You can also go online to veritascatholic.com to show your support. Thanks so much, and God bless you. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasolo, Joe Rosanello. Let's jump right back in. Now, Joe made a point, Janet, before the end of the break about if someone, like, say, hypothetically, came along and said, we could solve all of our problems, okay? But we have to kill everybody over 75. So I can hear I can hear people out there go, oh, that's such an extreme example. That would never happen in America. Well, there's a very well-known uh, child of, of uh, a very well-known uh, American politician who said, hey, since Roe versus Wade, trillions of dollars have been added to the economy. Janet, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, isn't that the same argument? You're going to justify the murder of the unborn because now, again, it's not a proven statement. You can't prove it. It's probably a lie. Okay, but even if that was the case, even if we added 10 trillion dollars to our economy, you're actually this is where we're at in America that you could justify this atrocious act of of killing of of innocent human life uh, because it adds to economic growth. Is that where we're at, Janet? The problem is, okay, once we legalized abortion in America, we allowed the unborn child to become disposable, all right? And it's a a disposable mentality. Think about it. I mean, when I was a kid, if your um, washing machine broke or your toaster broke, repair people, fix stuff. Now, people throw it out. If your TV breaks, what do you do? You take your flat screen out, throw it in the garbage, go buy another flat screen. Right, we have become a very disposable society. If it's not perfect, we get rid of it. And you know, this month is National Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Do you realize that? 
and that the Down syndrome babies in our country are aborted at an alarming rate. Almost 80% of them are aborted. Mm. We even pointed out on the show before, Janet, that in Iceland, they brag that they don't have many incidents of Down syndrome. Right. Why? You kill they kill them all. They kill them all. So you see, this this is this is the benchmark that we're at here. If things are not perfect, we get rid of them, right? And so with unborn children now, there's the search and destroy mission. They do all this testing now in the second trimester, and the medical profession right away pressures a woman to, to terminate if that baby is not perfect, if it has this problem or that problem. And incompatible with life is another phrase they just love. That's going into a world... <laughs> And a, and, a, and a nation that I, I, I don't particularly, right. I, I hate to say it, but it sounds so dramatic. I, I don't want to be a part of that world. Lord, then, take me. Because that, here's, that here's, world, and here's go ahead, another, go ahead, Janet. Here's another problem that so many Catholics do, and they better realize it's wrong. It's against their faith, because you don't hear it from the pulpit. It's called in vitro fertilization. It's not allowed according to our faith because you're procreating in a Petri dish. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like taking- But also you know, explain how embryos get destroyed. That's why. Well, and this, this is what I'm gonna get to now, okay? So this couple, this Catholic couple, and I'm telling you, they're all over the country. They're doing it. And they don't think it's wrong because they don't hear from the pulpit. They go through an IVF procedure, which first of all is dangerous to the woman because of the drugs they give her to hyperovulate. Okay, to collect her eggs. Second point is then, you know, it's this artificial thing. And they 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 take multiple embryos and implant them in her, hoping one or two take. Okay, so they might implant four, five, six babies into her. But then if the dot if it's too successful and they have have a multiple birth going on by the second trimester. They tell her, oh, well, great news, you're pregnant, but no, we've got quadruple triples or quadruples. And they recommend, cute little word they use, selective reduction. You know what that means? We're going to look at those three or four babies and decide which ones are going to get to stay in the uterus, in the womb, and which ones we're going to kill and get rid of. This is so wrong. And then not to mention when they do this egg harvesting and all this stuff is all like you're saying all these other babies that are then frozen and they they keep them off somewhere okay and they pay to have that done but the, the point is selective reduction and how do they decide i'll tell you how they decide they tell first of all the parents the sex of the babies and then they look at the position of the babies and they tell them which ones they can eliminate and i'm telling you guys this happens in our country every day in America. I will say this, Janet Morana, I will I, I will say that those people, um, those in, in, in my experience, uh, you know, with my wife and people we've met who have done in vitro, I always try to be careful. I do for the reason that you mentioned. Um, my wife and I have a, a we have a, a son, a foster son that we're hoping to adopt because we did not do in vitro fertilization. OK, uh, because the church teaches it whenever anybody asks me or my wife, we say, well, the church says it's wrong. And I know. And moreover, I know why it's wrong. OK, and I'm not just doing something because, you know, I, I investigate and say, well, why does the church say this is wrong? And then, you know, we came to the obviously the right 
uh, conclusion. Right. Okay. But you're right, and it's a shame. It's a shame because and, and, and in I our experience. I am not condemning those people who. No, did. no, that's that's where I was going, Janet. Is that yeah. most of the people no, that my wife and I so have talked to have done in vitro, they don't know. They don't they know. It, they and that's innocently the the are going down this path. Right. But because, what I'm pointing out is that for those who, who haven't gone down the path yet, and you're thinking about doing it, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's morally wrong. It's bad for the woman physically. And then you're going to get yourself into a conundrum that you're going to have triplets, quadruplets, if it's so successful, because that's the path you're going down. Right. And then these doctors are going to recommend that you get rid of some of these kids. And let right. me tell you, I wrote about this in one of my books, and there's so many tragic stories. But one was in the New York Times a few years ago. Sad as sad could be. A couple did in vitro. They weren't Catholic, but they did in vitro. And they she conceived twins. Now, they had been waiting to have kids and couldn't have kids and couldn't have kids. And now they paid all this money for IVF, had twins. And she didn't want twins. She only wanted one baby. And she told her husband, either we abort one, we get rid of one, or I'll terminate the entire pregnancy. Oof. And this man... He was grieving in this article, uh, his heart. He says, what was I to do? Save one or save none? So I acquiesced. And they killed one of their babies because she only wanted one. She didn't want two. But, but, and then they asked her, why did you feel that way? And she said, well, it all felt so consumerish anyway, in the way the babies were conceived anyway. But you see what I'm saying? Right. It's because... You take it, what's supposed to be a beautiful act between a husband and wife of procreation, and you now are making it into this scientific thing here that they feel like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the yeah. problem. And I, I just wish the church would do a better job in educating couples. It's got to start in pre-Cana, by the way, guys, where they have to be taught in pre-Cana about you shouldn't be on birth control pills and why I can tell you why they shouldn't be on them physically for the women, how bad it is for their health, but it's the church's teaching guys. It's the church's teaching a lot of vitae. They need more thorough classes and education on NFP national family planning, where it's not just a one hour. Someone comes in and, Oh, here's about an NFP. And they all laugh and go, ha 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 ha. No marriage has to be taken in our faith. Serious. There's only two vocational sacraments, holy orders and matrimony. And for goodness sakes, they go for six to eight years to study to become a priest. We're lucky if the married couples, which is the future of the church, get a, a, an afternoon retreat. You're right. Janet Marana uh, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. I will say this, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe, um, is that part of the problem is, is that, okay, we open our mouths. Everybody's always worried about offending somebody. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to... Look, your job as the church is to teach. Let us be offended, not offended, whatever the case might be. Your job is to is, is to preach the truth in all places and at all times, okay? On all of these issues, I don't care what it is. If you don't like the truth, then go stick your head in the sand somewhere, okay? But if you're a thoughtful human being, then you have to confront these very, very serious issues. And that's what we do here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Janet Marana joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Speaking of which, let's go further into the breach. I'm handing it over to Joe Resinello. And again, uh, getting back to, to voting, 
there are some issues that are more serious than others, and we're supposed to weigh them. Say, mm-hmm. Janet, somebody says this, because you hear this, like, I'm Catholic. I personally am not for abortion. However, I can't impose my personal beliefs on the people that voted for me because there's a pluralistic society which I represent. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm pro-choice. What do you say to that person? Oh, to the politician, you mean? Or, or to the voter. Both. Oh, I can't impose my... my yeah, vote. yeah, you've heard it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because, first of all, you know... <laughs> oh, you're not, Listen, it's not whether you're imposing or not imposing. What it is, is just simply, you cannot, cannot um, accept... The killing of an innocent life, just like that. I mean, you just can't. I mean, it's not. A, it's not a question of oh, pick and choose. You know what things you want to believe in and what things you don't want to believe in. You, you know, the minute you step into a voting booth, you don't cease to become a Catholic or a Christian. Good right? point. You don't. And I'm God doesn't Catholic. care. You see, I'm, this is what people. God doesn't care about. You don't that. Cease, cease to be a Catholic or a Christian, and you're not imposing your beliefs. You see, because what I say to people is, first of all, abortion is not a religious issue. Let's get rid of that one, okay? Yes, all, we're lucky. We're very lucky in the Catholic Church because our faith teaches us, you know, that abortion is always wrong and why is human right? But this is a human rights issue, you know? And and the youngest little kids on the planet get it. If you ask a kid, uh, you know, about uh, if should a mommy have to take kill her baby if she doesn't want to be a mommy and they go no children get it live baby good dead baby bad and for politicians i always say why would you want a politician to represent you on any other issues if they're not in favor of of protecting unborn children because you know what if they can't respect the life of a little baby how are they going to respect your life in all kinds of other issues well you're speaking our language now okay because you know what tell that politician I don't care what your housing plan is or your education plan or your health care plan. Because guess what? You won't let the person be born first. They got to be born first before you talk about. And, and the church has been clear on this. Even the U.S. bishops, they issued the, the finest document the bishops ever issued was living the gospel life in 1998. And the examples they gave there were so crystal clear. But one of the clearest was they compared building of a house you have to have a strong foundation and they showed the the, in the diagram the foundation is abortion abortion and euthanasia and then they showed housing education immigration as the walls and the cross beams and the roof and the chimney well guess what if the foundation isn't strong they said the house will crumble so in other words what the bishops were saying and are still saying if we don't protect human life through from conception to natural death, it doesn't matter about, oh, what's your Medicare plan and social security plan and what's your plan for the elderly? You gotta respect their life and their dignity to live first and then everything else can come. Janet, I'm so glad you brought that document up because I'm very familiar with it and it is crystal clear. It is crystal clear. And this is what I'm going to say. First of all, as Catholics, we have to get a little bit more educated 
That's why there's shows like this. We have to read and know our faith, number one. Number two, because that document is crystal clear, as many things in the church are, including the church's position on abortion, look up in the Catechism 2171. I'm not going to read it. It's clear. It's always been wrong, and it always will be wrong. With that said, how do we have disagreements within our church? It's sad. It's very sad because here's, and I'm going to make a bold statement, and this is to all the bishops and to all the priests. If you're going to write something down and you're not going to follow it, don't write it down at all. Because that document is so darn clear, I don't know how one priest or bishop in the United States of America could have the, the, I don't know how you can't be clear when it comes to abortion and to other intrinsic evils. And frankly, it's sad. I'm a Catholic. I will always be a Catholic. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is sad that you cannot read a document that you drew up, you drew it up, I didn't draw it up, then don't write it. And that's all I'm going to say. If you're not going to follow what you write, don't write it, because it's embarrassing. Well, that's a problem, too. You know, Janet Morano with us at the front line with Joe and Joe is like we talk about education, but but okay, but then somebody's got to be doing the speaking. Somebody's got to be promoting it out there. You can't just say, well, we have the document. Go read it. No, that's what the pulpit's for. I don't go to church on Sunday because I want to hear Jesus loves me. I got that when I was a little kid. I got that lesson. That's the found. You talked about the foundation. I got it. Jesus loves me. He forgives me. He's he's merciful. Oh, got that. All right, done. I got that when I was three. Can we talk about the hard issues now, please, from the pulpit? Can we talk about these things? We had a priest recently here. I'm in uh, I'm in Arizona now. Okay, um, I, my wife and I were, 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 and we shouldn't have been blown away, but we were. Uh, the priest got up and he talked about the five intrinsic evils that we pointed out earlier in the show. He started right from the top. He said, you know, and I was this is going to be my homily today. We need to talk about abortion, euthanasia, right down the line. <laughs> and everybody listened. And when he was done, it was actually pretty amazing. When he was done. All right. There was there were like resounding amens throughout the throughout the, you know, the, throughout the church. Everybody was getting it and they were happy that the priest was saying it. What, Janet, let me ask you this. And, we're, and, you know, Joe and I, we are not we are not disrespectful to the hierarchy ever. OK, but what's the problem? What What is the problem? Is it just wanting to be accepted or whatever? Fear of offending. What is diagnosis for us a little bit? Why are we not being more bold from the top down? Well, I mean, <clears throat> part of the problem is as Catholics, we've been spoiled. If you look at our history, there's been bad popes, bad clergy, bad cardinals, like through the centuries. But we've had saintly popes for decades now, right? John the 23rd. Pope Paul VI, right? John mm -hmm. Paul II. I mean, we've had a nice little succession of saintly popes. So we've been blessed. And, and the hierarchies, we have been blessed. And now things are not so wonderful, right? We don't hear abortion as the key issue. And I can tell you, I mean, I would go to Rome a lot to into the different dicasteries. And now it's like, it's a, it's a weird feeling when you go over there because they're not as strong on abortion the way they should be and the other issues, all right? I mean, people were flipping out. 
because the Pope had Nancy Pelosi over there. You know what I'm saying? Here in America. I mean, but thank God we have some good shepherds, right? Like the Archbishop of uh, San Francisco, who actually openly came out and called Pelosi for what she is, that she should not present herself for communion because of her position on abortion. Praise God. But I want to I expand on this. And this is, I'm married nine years, and this is something I told my wife when I got married. And this is something that I've heard priests say, because um, both are vocations. I said to my wife, I am not getting married to go to hell. What I mean by that is this. The church imposes certain responsibilities on us both as married people. Well, those responsibilities are even graver if you're a priest. And they're even more graver if you're a bishop. And they have responsibilities, each and every Catholic that goes into a voting booth. And here's the deal. Our job is to educate. I am not imposing, telling you what to do. I'm telling you what the church teaches, what it has always taught, and what issues are intrinsically evil and what that, and that they will always be intrinsically evil. Then it's up to you. Then it is up to you because no one's going to lie to God. No one is going to argue with God. We all have responsibilities and we have to live up to them. Period. End of story. And, and and sadly, like you said, I think a lot of it is education. A lot of it. A lot of it is a lack of courage. And a lot of it is unwilling to sacrifice on all parts. Joe, I want to piggyback on that. I, 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 you mentioned sacrifice. I want to piggyback on that and get Janice's view, uh, Janet's view. Uh, Janet, you mentioned um, Pope St. Paul VI, okay? You talk about being clear, okay? Humane Vitae is very clear. Let's let's go into the breach, shall we, a little bit further, okay? To the topic that nobody really wants to talk about underlying all this, which is the con- which is contraception and the contraceptive mentality. Right. Joe says on the show all the time, why is it the Catholics are just right in lockstep with the rest of the culture? Sexual liberation. That's what it comes down to. Pope Paul VI was crystal clear. Not only was he crystal clear on the teaching, he was prophetic. In humana vitae. Oh, he yeah. said this will be the result. This is not just a matter of some private decision that you're making on your own. And if you think that that's the case, you're not you, you're not correct. It was very clear that contraception was going to lead to abortion. And in fact, it did. And in fact, if you look at our history, OK, 1968 was the encyclical. All right. Then in our country, in 1970, that's when New York made abortion legal up to 24 weeks, right, under Dr. Mm-hmm. Bernard Nathanson and that whole cohort and collaborators. And of course, they weren't happy with just a handful of states that made abortion legal. They were going for the whole enchilada. But in 1972, there was a Supreme Court case, Baird versus Eisenstadt. And what you have to understand is before 1972, all forms of contraception were only available to married couples. Single people could not get birth control pills. They couldn't get um, diaphragms and all that other stuff. Only married couples could get it. But there was this Supreme Court case in 1972 made contraception legal for anyone who wanted it. Another nail in the coffin of America. Yes, and so therefore that the floodgates, the sexual revolution opened wide up and it was, you know, 
free sex, if you know, love the one you're with and all this jazz, it became perfectly fine. And following year is when we got Roe v. Wade. So you see the, the decline in our country where it was going. Well, that's a misdiagnosis. That's a misdiagnosis of the problem because you hear a lot of pro-life people. Like, yeah, people say I might pick on them a little bit, but I don't really care. Like the Sean Hannitys of the world. Okay, in other words, he's always pounding his chest on his pro-life bona fides, right? But, but he's all in favor of contraception. And you want to say, Sean, you're the smart guy. You're the guy on Fox News. Do you get that abortion is not the issue? Abortion is the result of a deeper issue, which is the separation of the sexual act, the unitive and the procreative aspects of the sexual act that the church teaches clearly. Both, both are 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 equally important. Okay. Right. And you don't get that when you separate that and you and you and you adopt a contraceptive mentality, all these other things that you say you're against, well, guess what? They're all gonna follow. Well, and that's why, guys, that's why the, I just said before the church has missed the boat and they're going to keep missing the boat unless they get serious about pre-k instruction in our country it's better to marry less people in the catholic church and do it the right way than keep doing what they're doing 100 percent, janet okay. i taught pre-k you're 100 percent and they i, you I like made a, a in the headlights. i was at a vatican conference about mm, seven eight years ago Okay, and there was a Vatican cardinal there, and they had about twenty-four of us around this big table, and everyone was putting forth proposals to the, this academy and all this jazz. And I made a proposal, and I said to them, "If you really want to take serious getting married as a Catholic in the church here, then you have to get as serious as you do about the education of priests." And I said, "Having one Saturday afternoon." for a pre-Cana retreat is ridiculous. 100%. I, pro I propose that every parish has to, every diocese has to adopt a program. And I said, it's once a month, they have to come to a Saturday class once a month. And each month is a different topic. So it doesn't matter when you get engaged, you just come in on that topic. So let's say, you know, I get engaged in March and they already did, uh, they don't do, they already did NFP, the first few months well next year i'll get those classes so as you set the classes to put in the calendar and it just keeps repeating and repeating and so therefore you have to wait a year from the time you get engaged to the time you can get married because you have to cover the whole year of pre-cana classes so this, this whole group went oh janet that's such a great proposal what a wonderful idea and the cardinal who was there because this was all done through translation you know then they, they they translate what you're saying into italian blah blah the cardinal went oh mrs Miranda, that's brilliant we're going to start working on that uh-huh it never happened why well, that cardinal retired two years later. Another guy comes into the same dicastery, and, and that wasn't his priority. So that whole idea of developing a solid pre cana program that could be adopted worldwide went Jan Janet, I, I want to say this. I think it comes down to education. It's all about it education. Is. And it comes it down to this. How do you identify? I'm going to use some language that the culture uses. Do you identify as a Democrat? Do you identify as a Republican? Or do you identify as a Catholic? That's number one. 
Number two, do you know what the church teaches on issues? If you don't look at priests for life, they lay it out very well in their voter guide. I want everybody who hears my voice to go into the priests for life website and read what they say about issues. That's number two. But it ultimately comes down to that. Do I identify as a union worker that I'm a part of a union? Do I identify as this or that? Or do I identify as a Catholic and I take it seriously and I look at my worldview through it? Everything. Joe, mm -hmm. we're running out of time. I want to ask Janet one final thing. I apologize, but we do have a time limit, Janet. Quick question before we go. We probably have about a minute and a half or so. Janet, you mentioned the Human Life Amendment uh, earlier in the conversation at the front line with Joe and Joe. Is there any sort of realistic support for that? I mean, you you have your finger on the pulse of the whole pro-life movement. Right. Is there legit support for that? I would, I, I'm really curious. Like I said, we have a little bit of time. Yeah, left. I, I think there is support for it. First of all, Nellie Gray, who founded the March for Life, that was her initial idea. We need a human life amendment. I think there's a support for it. I think the problem is most pro-life leaders realize and politicians, that's a very steep hill to climb right now. Uh, we would really have to have a dramatic cultural change because in order to get a constitutional amendment, it, it's how many states you have to get and all that. So it's a steep hill to climb. But that is the ultimate goal. If we want to really restore 100% protection to our unborn brothers and sisters, and finally, if you want the election information for Priest for Life, we have a simple webpage, prolifevote.com. Go to prolifevote.com. Everything is there, like Joe said, about the church's teaching. And finally, if you want to check out the candidates, go to ivoterguide.com. It's 501c3 friendly. It will show where the candidates stand on multiple issues. You clear as a bell. You can see who's the pro-life candidates and who aren't. Go to iVoteGuide.com. You have a moral obligation to go down your ballot and research those candidates from uh, Congress all the way down to school board and everything else. Because we have got to put in God-fearing, not just Catholic, but people who believe in protecting human life and protecting our children in the schools because the other side... They are indoctrinating our children at the school level. Planned Parenthood is in your schools. Parents beware. Pay attention to all your local elections. Because guess what? Some of these politicians, they start small. And one day, like Obama, who was a community organizer, they might be your president. So we have a moral That's... obligation to vote correctly. And it's vote.com. Thank you again, Janet Miranda, for joining us in the breach of the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Janet, you know you're welcome back on this show anytime. This Thank is a great you. conversation. Thank you. We encourage you all out there who are listening to us to please share this with your friends, this conversation. All right, Catholic voting, it's important. Okay, so let's get it through our heads. Let's get out there and let's educate ourselves. So thank you all. We are at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Thank you once again. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.